shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. Okay, yeah. So, um, just to capture the thought, I think the this I know the epistles are connected, right? All the I believe when these were written, it was just one letter. You know, there was no chapter and verse, um, written. So it was just a straight letter from chapter one to the end that Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. So, so there is a flow from um, chapter one into chapter two because in chapter two, and I'm sure you guys have read through and you see that more is, um, Paul was um, delving into and explaining the, um, it was, it was trying to explain the, um, the, the importance of revelation knowledge or the importance of receiving knowledge by the spirit or the importance of anchoring the soul, right? On um, knowledge that comes from revelation. And um, so he goes um, very, very deep into that, right? And also speaking, not just knowledge, but also wisdom. And I'm sure you guys have been through Ephesians already. So when we say wisdom in terms of, uh, scriptural New Testament terms. Um, have you guys explored a bit of that? Uh, maybe from Ephesians 1, Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation, for example. You, you touch on that. Or do you still remember? <laughs> um, Ephesians. Mm -hmm. Just yes, no? Yes, we did. But it's been a while. It's been a while, okay. I don't know the details anymore. Okay, you know, my, my fears, I don't want to just maybe stay on something that you guys have already, you know, so that we can, there can be progress. Um, but, you know, the concept of wisdom generally, um, you know, you know how people say wisdom is the application of knowledge, right? That was, that's the, the common definition of wisdom that I knew or, you know, I guess when I was a lot younger before, um, more understanding of the scripture came. Um, but, but in terms of scripture language, um, especially New Testament, um, that's not the, the, the main definition of wisdom. Um, the main definition of wisdom is in the Bible is wisdom is the, particularly the spirit of wisdom is the, is the, is the searcher of understanding. You know, wisdom is the bringer of understanding, right? The one wisdom is what makes a person to understand something. So what actual, what you call knowledge, spiritual knowledge comes later on, right? Like what for each of us now, what you, you if someone asks you, okay, um, 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 what is your, concept or what is what is your present knowledge of God? You know, such a statement will be very, very difficult to answer. 
um, because you can give an answer, but you find that you are leaving many things out in the process because your knowledge, knowledge of God is the entirety of um, everything that, ha- that you have come to, um, I mean, you've come to have and that has sat in the heart as in a real way, you know, concerning God's person. And it's not easy to quantify that in, in English language, right? Because it is the, it's like the inward, um, your inward state regarding God is what you call knowledge. So knowledge spiritually is not just memory. Like what, when you, when you remember something um, in your mind, let's say if you are, you're in school or you're studying economics and then you have different economic, theor- economic theories and then you can commit those to memory, right? That um, spiritually is not knowledge. What they call knowledge spiritually um, you see, all these terms, you see, wisdom, the knowledge, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, those key terms are terms which um, are redefined in the New Testament. And without an inward redefinition of those words, there will be a veil in reading the scriptures, right? And so um, knowledge is actually the, the final work that the process of learning spiritually brings a soul into. So in the sense that someone cannot really say spiritually that they know something that they haven't practiced, for example, right? So there's there's a part of practice before knowledge actually comes, but in the, just in a natural sense, one can, say they know something that you just read five minutes ago. Like you just read an article, you say, okay, I know what's, what's there. That's just in a natural sense. But when it comes to the soul, which is the, the soul is the destination for everything that is written in the scripture. And so when it comes to the soul, that is what just reading something doesn't equal knowledge, right? So the way someone just reading something about God doesn't equate to knowing God. You know, when, when, in the way the Bible speaks about the knowledge of God, that they, to arrive at actual knowledge of God, there is actually, there's a process involved, right? And actual knowledge of God um, me, involves an actual um, um, inheritance or the actual receiving of a, of a nature or an image, or the best way to put it is an agreement in the heart, a settlement of the cause of, or, or a settlement of particular nature properties, you know, concerning God. Amen. Um, so someone who knows God, for example, there are things that the knowledge of God will constrain the person not to do, right? And that, but that is not the same thing as just knowing something in a natural sense. Like you read this article, but that, reading that article and committing into memory has nothing to do with your agreement or you aligning your person with what is written there. But when it comes to scriptural language and knowing God, the way they use the term knowledge in the Bible, the knowledge of God, 
in the Bible is that there is also that other element of not being just being aware of him or things about him, but you becoming that thing which you have, which you've come to, which has come to you, or which you have read about, or which you've brought to you in terms of understanding. So that's one, that's the main thing about knowledge. So knowing God is actually becoming um coming into a certain kind of inward state of the soul, right? That is that is in alignment with that particular revelation of God. So, so you see knowledge as the end, right? In that sense, you now begin to see knowledge is actually the end of the entire process of, of um, growth, right? To come into the knowledge of God. Now, but at the other end of knowledge, which is the first end of knowledge, the, the entry point is what you call wisdom. Uh-huh. So, you see how not in the natural we misplace those things when they say wisdom is like applying knowledge. Or you see in the New Testament, those things are actually the other way around, right? Um, the best way to see it is from Isaiah chapter 11. You can quickly open Isaiah 11. Where is it okay that as we are reading the New Testament, we are making references to other places because the way the scripture is written, the scripture, the Bible says that no scripture is capable of private interpretation, but in the holy men are wrote, wrote as they were moved by the spirit. So um, what that means is that it's the spirit in the scripture that is so scriptures interpret scripture. Praise God. Um, so as I 11, quickly, if someone can read for me from verse from verse one. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jason, and a branch shall go out of its root. Yeah. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon it, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and mind, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Okay, praise the Lord. Um, so this, this spirit here is what we call, the when you hear the, um, the spirit of the Lord, right? These spirits are the spirit um, which the Holy Spirit becomes when it's time to bring a soul into the season of knowledge. I think, Sister Yana, you were making reference to, uh, or oh, sorry, Sister Lutena, when you were speaking, you were, you were saying how the difference between when someone who has just got born again, right, which involves normally just believing with your heart, confessing the Lordship of the Lord, and then believing that he was raised from the dead. And when that is done, person gets born again. Then after that, there's now a continuing work that happens, which where um, the, the person begins to encounter Christ, who is the power of God, who is the wisdom of God, and all of that, which brings his soul into the season of knowledge. Right. So initially, the Holy Spirit to a, to a soul is just a singular person. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit, which when you get born again, when you pray, okay, you hear him. You know, when you're fellowshipping in the morning, in your quiet time, you know, just by praying in the spirit and all that, the Holy Ghost can drop something in your heart. He can minister to you something very specific concerning maybe what you ought to do during the day or when you're about to make a decision about just general things in life. The Holy Spirit can just put a thought in your mind, okay, take this option instead of the other one, right? Or do this instead of the other one. 
or you know just simple instruction like that and the holy spirit can speak to us um about the most basic things the most little things you know the most mundane things oh just skip breakfast today you know sometimes the holy spirit just says okay just skip breakfast today or and you know sim simple instructions like that right or you're in a, in a setting and then the holy spirit says just greet that person go and talk to that person or simple these are very just simple instructions i'm sure each of us um have heard the holy spirit um, in one way or the other, because that's one of the things that you begin to, it begins to happen after you get born again, you begin to hear the voice of the spirit, it begins to lead you, it begins to guide you and all that. And with time, you get conversant with the voice of the spirit. Uh, now, so when, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in, in that way, it's just like a person, you know, we just know him as the spirit of God. Um, but when it's time to now begin to bring the soul to make the soul grow right and begin to become aware of things that are not just about your own personal life right like maybe things related to your work or maybe your family maybe there's an issue in your family right maybe your siblings or something and uh, and there's just you know they're trying to resolve something and the holy spirit just gives you an insight okay talk to this person or say this or do this or call this person, you know, that kind of thing to solve just natural issues around you, right? Uh, so there's that aspect of the Holy Spirit, which we all enjoy when we got born again, and, and that should continue to flourish in our lives. But that kind of ministry of the Holy Spirit is limited to things in our life, right? When I say things in our life, I mean, our own things that things that um don't really concern god in the sense that they are not his own business you know like our job now family matters your finances all of those things those are not god god's things right those things exist because of us because of our peculiarities and our needs so the holy spirit when we get born again can come down to that level and begin to speak to us because the Lord is touched by every aspect of our infirmity. Infirmity means our infirm nature, our weak nature as human beings. And, and he's not, you know, he doesn't remove himself entirely from that. He wants to be, you know, active and involved with our own things as well. So the Holy Spirit has that ministry. But there will be a time when we, when we, well, after we got born again, you now realize that the main what God's goal for us is not just to come and help us with our own things, which he will, and which for many of us, I'm sure we have, we have opened the floor, we have testimonies, I'm sure by God's grace of how the Holy Spirit has intervened in our lives in one way or the other, maybe to avert something or to even lead us, you know, into, you know, things prosperously in life and all of that. But when it's time to come into things that are beyond the things of the of our own life, you know, our own matters, things that concern us, when they want to now begin to move us into things that concern God, because the same way we have our things, God has his own things too, you know. So when it's time to now move into, to understand God's own things, which is the main, one of the main reasons why we got born again. Actually, the main reason we got born again is for us to be able to now 
move our, to shift or to broaden and then to, to shift the core of our, our occupation, the occupation of our mind, the occupation of our soul, our emotions, our feeling from just mainly on our own things to now begin to pick up our pick up a conversation and pick up a concern and awareness of things that are God's own things that are not ours. So when it's time to do that, the Holy Spirit will not just be that singular person telling you, do this, do that again. He has to now move into different kinds of ministries, right? Yes, where you see these the seven spirits here. In Isaiah chapter 11, they are the spirits of the Lord, right? So you see the Holy Spirit can be manifesting to, in one way today as the spirit of wisdom. Then you, then you will manifest as the spirit of understanding. You will manifest as the spirit of counsel, as the spirit of might, as the spirit of, of knowledge, and then the fear of the Lord. So it's not different spirits. It's the same Holy Spirit, or the same Holy Spirit can then begin to manifest himself in different ways too, in order to bring the soul through the different levels of dealings that it will take to arrive at what I described earlier as the knowledge of God. Right? Because that knowledge of God is, is the final thing that they want to bring the soul into. So in this order here, you see that this dealing uh, it said the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, then the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So you see the spirit of wisdom is first. Then it says wisdom, understanding, then spirit of counsel and might, then the spirit of knowledge, and then the fear of the Lord. Okay, I see hands up, Sister Alpe. Uh, what's your question? Please go ahead. <clears throat> so I wanted to ask if it was the same spirit that they were talking about in Revelations 4-5. Revelation. Where they were saying the seven lands burning before the throne. Revelation four, rather, verse five. Okay. Uh, let's read that. Revelation chapter four, verse five. Okay. So it says, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, okay. Now, uh, the answer, there's a long and short answer, but in summary, it's not necessarily the same spirit uh, because these spirits, these seven spirits of God, which are, uh, which are burning before the throne is talking about the, the manifestation of the spirit of God in the most holy place, right? If you um, read that place, that was when John, in the beginning of chapter four, the Bible says the door opened in heaven and he, he went into her, up into heaven. He said, come up hither. And then when he went in there, they now began to show him the throne. Um, let's see. They showed him the, the, the throne, and then he saw him that sat upon the throne, right? And then later they went on to show him the angels. So that, that place of the lamps of fire, which are burning before the throne, that's actually 
the spirits of God that is before the throne in the, in the, in the most holy place or the most holy place in the temple translates to the third heaven, which is the place where the throne of God is. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's called the seven, they're called the seven spirits of God. But in the book of Isaiah, right, the spirit here is referred to as the spirit of the Lord. Okay. Now, in the Bible, there is um, the there is a manifestation of God in the Bible, and then there is also what you call um, manifestation of lordship. Right? There is lordship in the Bible, and there is God. So when it says Lord, Lord is the, Lord means you can call Lord the owner. Lord means also trainer. Right, the Lord is a person who does the shepherding ministry, right? Um, that all the shepherding ministries that God has ordained mm, to happen to his soul before the soul actually arrives at his throne as the soul is growing up uh, to him. Yeah, so this spirit of the Lord is actually the first spirit of lordship that that's the Isaiah 11 one the first spirit of lordship that the soul will begin to encounter once the soul has entered season of lordship and if you ask what is season of lordship the season of lordship is the season I was describing before when a soul begins to be interested in things of God beyond their own things right so when the soul begins to be interested with things of God, which is not just your own things, then to come into those things, the soul has to come under season where the soul submits under the Lord. So the Lord is like the teacher, the one who will train the soul in things of God. Yeah, so, and then the first school of the things of God is the school of Christ. That's the nature of Christ. There are two main schools. The first school, spiritual school is the school of Christ. Then after that, the soul will come into the school of God. And those two schools are schools of different lives, right? Christ's life is the life of the spiritual man. And then there's the life of God himself. So the spirit of the Lord here is the first spirit that begins to manifest when they want to begin to teach the soul the nature of Christ, which is the nature that the soul needs to come into. Um, We'll see a bit more of this in this first Corinthians as we go further uh, into the first, I think when we get to chapter 15 of first Corinthians, that's where they explain between the two different men, it's been between the first man, the second man, right? So the first man was, was the Adamic man, right? You have the second man, which is the Lord from heaven, which is the which is called the Christ, which is the new creation. The new creation or Christ is the is the, is the, is the, is the second type of man that God made. Uh-huh. So that you will see the difference between those kind of men when we get later um, to the other chapter. So, so the spirit of the Lord is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to raise the nature of Christ in a soul. Well, you see, those seven spirits of God are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit 
to develop the nature of God himself in his soul. So we can, I can't go too much, but I don't know if that has some kind of explanation for you. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Okay, let's, let's go on. Uh, or does anyone have a, a question based on that or a follow-up question or what I said? All right, I'm, I'm very careful um, so that I won't spend time maybe explaining, going too deeply into explanations that are maybe higher than the scope of what we want to keep this, um, this, um, this setting of this discussion in, but I hope I've been able to just summarize some things based on that question. Yeah, so the, the, the main point here I want to bring up from Isaiah chapter 11 is to make us have a, a new view of you know, definition of what wisdom is or spirit of wisdom, and then what knowledge is, spirit of knowledge, you know. And, I, and like I said, it's different from just the English dictionary definition, right? The way the scripture uses those terms. So this spirit of wisdom here, which is very cute, when you go back to First Corinthians, you will, be, you will see Paul begin to talk about it a lot, is the spirit of wisdom is the, that is, wisdom is the searcher. It is the Wisdom is the, is the initiating spirit when it comes to anything that has to do with the knowledge of God, when it has to do with anything that is God's own knowledge, right? Like when I say God's own, I mean, first of all, the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of God himself, right? I just mean any knowledge that is beyond natural knowledge, like knowing, like what is natural knowledge, knowing things about your body, let's say medicine, knowing things about all the engineering fields, learning about maybe the stock market, learning about whatever your occupations you guys are in, uh, like, like Tammy, I don't know, I think was it chemical engineering you did, or, you know, knowing about oil and gas, all of, the, all of those things are things that were made uh, by, praise God, all of those things are things that were made on the earth that are our things. We can relate things you don't need spiritual help to know. Um, or things that, when I say spiritual help, that things that are not of God, that ha has nothing to do with God's own nature, that are things that are just on the air that man can access. Uh -huh. So, but once you want to begin to learn to know, learn about spiritual things, um, the, the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom or wisdom spiritually is the searcher, is the bringer of understanding. So you see, they pair them up here, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. In Ephesians chapter 1, in that prayer, Paul called them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, I never cease to pray for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So revelation in the Bible is equal to understanding. According to Holy Spirit's term in the Bible, when you, whenever you see revelation in the Bible, it means understanding. Uh -huh. So now wisdom here is the bringer of understanding, is the searcher. So wisdom is the spirit that every time anything of God comes first into your consciousness as a person, that's an operation of the spirit of wisdom. Then spirit of understanding is what will now take that thing that has come into your consciousness and then begin to expound it and make you comprehend it that one is the spirit of understanding so but spirit of wisdom is the is the first searcher is the arrowhead 
of the ministry of the Holy Ghost when it comes to bringing a soul into a season of knowledge of, of spiritual things and knowing God. That spirit of wisdom is the searcher. So anytime you see someone is preaching to you, for example, someone who is preaching um, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and, and preaching or teaching concerning the knowledge of God, a lot of times those two spirits, the spirit of wisdom and revelation are the main spirits that are at work in revelatory teaching. Because as the teaching is going on, that spirit is able to fetch things that the soul didn't know before at all. It just brings it fresh to the soul's consciousness. And then the spirit of understanding works with that material and continues to um, break them down. Um, to, to, to quickly try and make you understand these seven spirits here, um, I just want to quickly do that because it's very, very key. It's possible you've covered this before, but let me just reiterate it because it will help us understand the episodes. And please, you can ask a question at any point if you have one. Um, let us think of it like um, an analogy I usually use is think of the Lord building you up spiritually, like the building of a house. Let's say a building, right? Now, when you want to build a building, um, there are different things involved. But one of the first things, of course, the land has been bought. The land has been secure. And you, can call, you can call the land your soul, which is what the Lord has bought, right, with the blood of Jesus. And that land has been bought there. Now, in order to build, you need to bring materials to the site. Materials um, must be brought to to the site. Uh -huh. So the materials of building, let's say the blocks of building, which you need to, you need to build the house, those blocks are what you call understanding or revelation. Each block, each material that must be laid upon the other, block by block by block by block by block, each block that builds the spiritual nature, that builds the spiritual stature, what every person's spirituality is built by blocks of understanding or blocks of spiritual revelation. And it's not just one thing that comes at work. It's little blocks that have to be arranged in specific pattern that needs to be built the house which God wants for us to have. So, the, so but think about the spirit of wisdom as the, as the person or the, the, the operation that fetches all the materials needed for the house. It knows all the materials. It knows how many blocks should be there. It knows what particular kind of block is needed. It knows what kind of door is needed, what kind of window will be needed, what kind of wood will be needed for the roof. It knows all the specifics of the house. The spirit of wisdom is the spirit that then goes out to search out all those things from wherever they are and brings them to the site of the building. That's the spirit of wisdom. The one who goes to bring the material. So the spirit of wisdom is the first spirit, is the importer of materials. It brings materials to the site. The site being your heart or being the place where God wants to build his nature, or build his house. So wisdom searches the materials, brings them to the site. But what are those materials? Each material is understanding. So it's very clear that Wisdom is the vehicle of understanding. Wisdom is the vehicle. 
that transport understanding into the soul. You get so there's understanding in the scripture, blocks of understanding, materials of understanding. If you try to open the Bible without the spirit of wisdom, you will not be able to find the materials that your house needs. But when the Holy the Spirit of wisdom is involved with you, right? When it says no passage of scripture is capable of private interpretation. Private means only you without the helper who wrote the book, which is the spirit. But when he is present, the spirit of wisdom is the spirit that now finds the specific understanding. Today you come, you will find the one for today. Come tomorrow, you will find the one for tomorrow. You're listening to a message today. Out of that message, the spirit of wisdom is at work. We import materials through that message. You're in, this, in service the other day, or you're talking with a brother or somebody else. Spirit of wisdom can be at work to import materials. So, the, so and each material means understanding. Every time you receive an understanding, it's because um, um, the, the spirit of wisdom is at work. So that's why they work together. Spirit of wisdom and understanding or wisdom and revelation. Uh, so let's say the materials have been imported to the site to build the house. Then it's now time to build. Then you know there are two spirits that now come into play. The spirits they call the spirit of counsel and might. So they are the next two spirits that need to work. So the spirit of counsel and might, they work based on what the spirit of wisdom and revelation or wisdom and understanding has brought to the heart. So counsel and might is the spirit. They work together too. So they take the blocks that are in the site, which wisdom and which the spirit of wisdom has brought. And the spirit of counsel is the spirit that has the information of where each block is supposed to sit. Right. And remember, when we are building the house of God, we are building according to pattern. There's a specific pattern to how the house will be built. It can't be built anyhow. So the spirit of counsel is the spirit that knows this block must sit at this spot. The other block must sit at this spot. The other one must sit at this spot. Without the spirit of counsel, the house, even though the understandings are there, but the house will not be built properly. <clears throat> Then you see, the, you now see counsel, spirit of counsel works with the spirit of might because to get the, the materials for the building to sit upon one another in their right spot, you need manpower. Manpower means it's might. So that spirit of might is almost like the spirit of his grace. Might means the ability to do. That, you know, sometimes someone can have the revelation, have understanding but they cannot leave it out. It's because of a lack of the spirit of counsel and mind. So the spirit of counsel is out of all this scriptural understanding that the soul has, that has been brought by the spirit of wisdom. As the life is going on, things are happening in life. You're going day to day, going to work, relating with your family, with your friends and all that. Which particular revelation is meant to be applied in this particular situation. That is, you're talking of application now, or what you call doing, the doing phase of it. That knowledge of which particular understanding or revelation should apply in this particular situation, that's what the spirit of counsel is for. 
So counsel is telling you, ah, in this situation, the light that says, ah, that's what that understanding is meant for. It is speaking to this particular situation. That's the operation of the spirit of counsel. It's telling you that pick this particular block now and lay it at this particular spot. And of course, spirit of counsel will not work without spirit of might. Because if you hear the, the instruction, okay, take this block, lay it here, but there is no strength to do it, which can also happen to a lot of us a lot of the time where we know the revelation, we know the right thing to do. Counsel has said it. This is what needs to be done in this situation. But there's something sometimes within us that we don't just have, either we can't push ourselves over the emotional cliff or the cliff of convenience, or there are all kinds of cliffs, all kinds of things that stop us from actually going ahead to do something that has first already sits in us as an understanding, but then in a particular situation, the spirit of counsel is now telling us in this particular matter now, this is what to do. But there are some times that, you know, if we, were, we all had the ability to do, act in line with all the revelation we have, would have all gone, would all be saints, would have all gone very, very far. But God, in that's why you, I'm sure you are now beginning to see the reason why the Holy Spirit almost has to split himself into this specialized, different kind of spirits in order to, because of the complexity of the soul, how like, why a soul that has been hearing the same something over and over again can still be failing to live in light of those things because of the complexity of the of the of the work that the devil has done in us over time that make it not easy for us to just align with the things of God. So that's why we need these different spirits. So the spirit of might is is a, is a spirit that injects ability, injects power. It's like the laborer in the in the building site. The laborer in the building site is his specific job is impute of manpower. Right when they tell you, okay, take that block now, put it here. He will carry it. The strength is there to put the block, but the spirit of counsel is the spirit that says this is the the understanding that needs to be applied at this moment. Mm -hmm. Then you now see the other two spirits is the spirit of knowledge, and then what you call the fear of the Lord. So you now see knowledge, spirit of knowledge, actually is the is the final spirit. Right, the spirit of knowledge is the, I will call it, is the spirit of the house, right? The spirit of, or the spirit of, of um, when the house has been built up, right? The spirit is a, is a, is a crowning spirit, knowledge and, and the fear of the Lord. Because when, that's why I said, when you say knowledge, knowledge is a complete image, a complete workable, practical usable aha entity. So the spirit of counsel is the spirit of applying certain wisdom, specific counsel to, for building blocks of your spiritual nature. But the spirit of knowledge is talking about an actual use where knowledge, knowledge spiritually is functional, right? Knowledge is not half, it's not partial, right? So when, when you see an uncompleted building, using this metaphor I'm using, an uncompleted building means the spirit of knowledge is not yet resting because 
the food building hasn't been raised. And so in different aspects of our life, when someone operates by spirit of knowledge in a particular aspect of their spiritual adventure, he's talking about an, an operation of, because there's so, yeah, something that has been fully formed because they yielded themselves to all the other spirits uh, within the heart. So I, I hope there's still a bit of understanding I've been able to pass across to explain all of that. Praise God. Um, now let's go back quickly to the New Testament. Does anybody have a question? Please, if you have a question, you can ask. Um, amen. Um, so now let's go back here to First Corinthians um, chapter one and two. So as I was saying, that so chapter two was mainly, um, Paul was then um, speaking mostly about, he was exalting the, importance of um, revelation or knowledge that is acquired by revelation or and then he's tying that specifically to the spirit of God that is only by the spirit that comes but in chapter one um, chapter one was leading to that and in chapter one he first has to um, he first has to put the the knowledge of this world or the wisdom of this world in its place, right? He has to do that first in chapter one, right? Let, where he's, I'll just quickly read um, chapter one, I'll read from verse, verse 18. It says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. And for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Of course, that wisdom of the wise is talking about the wisdom of that's natural wisdom and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So there is difference between the wise and the prudent, right? Um, and oh, I don't want to spend time there. Okay, verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? After that, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So what is verse 21 is saying is that, he said that after that, in the wisdom of God, means in God's own wisdom, in God's own calculation, Right, that it pleased God that he said for that in the wisdom of God that the world by wisdom, so the world by its own wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching, right, to save them that believe. So this word, the foolishness of preaching here, means the the apparent foolishness, that foolishness, the concept of sowing one's attention to preaching is, is a foolish investment in the world. And God made it so, right? Because um, God has to, 
And this one thing that, that is, uh, to me, the way I see the importance of this chapter one, right, is to, is to get the, our hearts to buy into God's own pattern. It's a God's own way of, of getting across to his people and saving us and bringing his provision to us. Of, and his provision, of course, is in, is in himself and all the goodness contained in him. Right, that after, if you take God away and take his provision of his son and Christ away and then, leave, and then look at what is left in existence, is there's nothing good left. And in all our you know, pleasure, in all of the so-called pleasure, you know, all the adventures and all the endeavors of men, right, in the end, is all vanity upon vanity. You've, you've read over and over again Solomon's account. Solomon wrote and wrote and wrote concerning all his exploit in vanity. He said that this preacher has searched under the sun all that men do from the beginning to the end. And at the end, he summed it all up and said that vanity upon vanity, that all is vanity, is all vexation of spirit. What it means is that when you go through the best of the best of the best of the things of the world, even the ones that our hearts are secretly desiring for, that we, we feel like, ah, if I can just get that one, I will be so happy, I will be so settled, I will be so good. That all of those things, and when you actually get there at the end, heap it all up, he said it's all vanity, and it's, he calls it vexation of spirit. What that means is that there will be something within the soul crying out in this, that I am, I, I, am, I am made for something better than this. That so also, well, if you go and read Solomon's text, Ecclesiastes, read what he wrote there, you see he, he taught, and God helped him to really search things out. We go by experience, someone who married almost a thousand, had a thousand women. And so there's no place he didn't go to, but he said that this is all vanity. So it's very clear that Paul is trying to tilt the mind of the people here. I was writing to that you need to understand that when it now comes to bringing in things that will actually satisfy, things that will actually register as, as good to the soul, that which is what God's plan is, you, you must first of all um, subscribe to God's own different, strange, if you want to use that word, um, pattern of getting his own things to the souls of men. That there's a way that God actually intends to do it. And that way, primarily, basically, is foolishness. It seems foolish to men. You get that? That is seen, that's what he, what he calls here is, what he calls as the foolishness of preaching is that is, preaching is something that, um, I mean, the way the Lord wants the soul to subscribe to preaching and hearing the word and being established with understanding is that if when we pursue it that way, when you look at what we are doing with the eyes of the world, it must seem very, very foolish. It actually seems foolish because this is not the way of man because man's own wisdom does not follow this pattern of, uh, of preaching. So God made it that not through the wisdom of men, the mental calculation, the cerebral activity, not through all those things, will men know him, but he calls it through the foolishness. And when you, when you say preaching, preaching is more than just telling stuff or telling story or giving information. Preaching here is not lecturing. 
That's what Paul will, Paul will begin to go into that in chapter two. That's the purpose of chapter two. He will now begin to explain that thing of ministry, the, com the complex operation of the spirit that is involved in, in just that seemingly foolish thing of ministry, right? And then he's saying here that, but first of all, the heart must be set. That's the opening, opening chapter of this, of this first Corinthians, that every, every person who wants to take this adventure of knowing God, you must be ready for foolishness. You have to be ready. You must be ready to, to submit the heart to the foolishness of preaching. Because in that foolishness is where God, the knowledge of God will be seen. I'll read that verse 21 again. Before after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew him not. But he pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. Right, so Jews a sign, so two different kinds of souls. One seeks the spectacular. Ah, prove to us. That's what they were trying to get Jesus to do. And there's no, no miracle that Jesus did was enough for them because when they compare Jesus' miracle to other prophets they are used to, Jesus was a small boy. You know, you feed 5,000, what's the meaning of that? That meant nothing. Our father Moses fed millions for, for 40 years. You know what I mean? Some, coming from the background of that kind of thing, someone came and fed 5,000. What does that, that meant nothing. You know what I mean? Jesus, so, so Jesus, the signs and miracles Jesus did is to Gentiles, wow, those things are great. You did great things. But to Jews, their signs and wonders was their heritage. They are a people of sign. All their prophets, all their fathers, strange things. You know, go and read the book of Hebrews, see the, the record of the fathers of faith. You know, so they had those things as their heritage. But God is saying that not that's that they are, and today, there are different kinds of Christians today in the church. There are Christians who have Jewish soul. There are Christians who have Gentile soul. When you see a Christian who has a Jewish soul, they seek after sign, the biggest one that they go after it. You know, so such Christians, they that such a an attitude towards God is worldly. And God is saying that through such things, you will not know him. Right? Because so that's so the Jew will seek a sign. But then the, the other kind of Christians, too, who their own is not sign, their own orientation is more towards wisdom. And wisdom here is not God's own kind of wisdom, which we are talking about. You know, I explained the whole thing of spirit of wisdom and all from Isaiah. Eh? This wisdom here, which the Greeks seek after, is just the wisdom of research, searching, okay, proof. You know, you will hear them talk, prove this now, prove that. You know, even if they can manage to become Christians, then when you're trying to bring an atmosphere of preaching around the soul, preaching means in the passing of spiritual things. So those materials I was referring to in chapter, in, in chapter 11, you see that process I was talking about and the ministry surrounding that thing, the ministry of preaching. I, I would just call it in, in, in summary, the ministry of preaching, which is spirit inspired delivery of things through words uh -huh. yeah so when you see such a thing which always include you see demonstration of the spirit there you can see tongues and interpretation there you can see all kinds of things involved in that ministry revelational ministry inspired ministry so but such ministry is not proof oriented the way worldly wisdom right tries to prove things out 
right? That's why the anchor of revelation knowledge, growing spiritually, is not anchored on maybe trying to look at the Bible through a lens of historical accuracy. You know how we say, okay, did Jesus, did this really, really happen? You know, what is the proof that Jesus really rose and these people, you know, those kind of things where you try to verify, you know, and people, Christians have gone through all of those things, you know, and apologetics in Christianity is not bad as a, you know, that trying to prove things, but that's not the anchor of our pursuit of the knowledge of God, right? The pursuit of the knowledge of God is anchored on a different kind of operation of wisdom, which is at the center is spirit inspired. Is by the some operation of the Spirit of God. So what he's saying here is that we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks, what foolishness, verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So this thing called foolishness of God is not saying God is foolish. What he's just talking about is that God's method that is perceived as foolishness, right, is actually wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, for you see your calling that, brethren, and how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things which are despised, that God had God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. So all they're just summarizing here is that when God is at work to bring his knowledge that when you bring in just a natural person who is not quickened by the spirit and tell them to come and look and take a look and evaluate what is happening, right? They will, they will see the things that are occurring as foolish or weak, right? Or base. Praise God. Are you seeing that? These are the words that Paul used here. So what the world calls as foolish, verse 27, or what the world calls as weak, same verse 27, or calls at base, verse 28, right? Or things that are not. When he says things that are not, that's one. When you say, ah, this thing you are, that we are talking about, there's nothing here. You guys are just making notes, that kind of thing. And so God is saying those are the things he's, he's choosing his work, to appear that way to the natural mind. So when the natural mind is, is trying to look at the process of, you know, you wonder, okay, why do we even need this Sunday, Sunday, all these things? You know, let's just the other things in life, let's just handle maybe this, you know, word of God, you know, do a little here, the other things to do, just apportion your time. You know, that, that worldly wisdom, you know, that could not put the right level of um, weight and importance of God's own things or, or this ministry of preaching, as he says, he said that all of those things are done so that no flesh should glory in his presence. Because God is saying that I'm not going to come to the natural way that men come, that any soul that will arrive at me, knowledge of me, and all of that, 
that they would have come because they found the path, which is a special path of my own wisdom by the Spirit, which, um, praise God, which I, which I have ordained. Okay, um, I want to move to chapter two now, where Paul now wants to begin to zero in on this, on spiritual ministry, right? Um, but before that, is there any question? Um, we're a bit quiet now. Um, I don't know if I've spoken too quickly, too fastly, I've, you know, because please forgive me, you know, I've not been with you guys. I don't know the pace of your, of the meeting, um, but. Um, no, it's good. Um, thank you. We're following and understanding what you're saying. And yeah, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we're enjoying this. Yes. Really, really enjoying it. Okay. Thank you. Like, oh, yeah, any question? Or let, okay, let me not say question. Let me just maybe contribution, just any aspect from anyone. Um, or if anything comes to you, you can just raise your hand and, and you can contribute. Okay, thank you. I, sorry, I just wanted to clarify the part of the foolishness of preaching. Okay. Like in the present day, like preaching means a lot of things, right? Yes. Like even church. So does, does this preaching mean preaching Christ? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this preaching here, um, Paul was um, Paul was speaking with respect to, now, of course, the time when Paul was writing, this was a season of Christianity in its very, very raw and pure state, right? So a lot of the formation of different way of ministering, let's say in church and all of those things, uh, which you agree with me that it, it takes various shapes and forms in the present okay. now. Uh -huh. A lot of those things haven't been formed yet. Like when you go to Catholic church, they have their own method there. I think in Catholic church, either they have a bulletin that they send throughout the world that they, they try to follow, things like that. That's one method. If you go to at a mountain of fire, I don't know how much preaching they do there, but they will have their own thing. You go to maybe a Canadian Pentecostal setting, or you see different ways of getting the gospel across, right? But um, those are a lot of those things are things that came after when denominational, you know, different denominations began to emerge. But at this point, what Paul is actually referring to here is, is the pure, those that pure ministry of preaching the word, right, by inspired by the spirit. That's what it's referring to here as preaching. So, and I believe that different denominations, what they have resolved into is some form of ministry of the word, where they are trying to achieve their own interpretation of what Paul meant by ministry. But not, I don't think, Every, every single kind of preaching or method has, has, has arisen to this because some things might have been dropped along the way, yeah. right? So one thing we know for sure is that if someone is teaching, preaching, but is not giving any kind of space or any kind of, you know, conscious um, opening door or even a window or something, opportunity for the leading 
and the direction of the Spirit of God, we know for sure that that's not in alignment with what Paul is saying, right? And the way you will know is when we now begin to read chapter 2. So let's just see this preaching here as preaching that ministering of the word that aligns with what we will see in chapter 2. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Praise God. Okay, so yeah. let's quickly read chapter two. We have a short time. We'll just go as far as we can, and then we'll, we can continue next time. Um, so chapter two, verse one, um, does someone want to read? Let's see. Let's read to up to verse five. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, mm. declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, yes. but demonstration of the spirit and of power, yes. that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, mm. but in the power of God. Amen. Praise mm. God. So I think this should actually almost answer your question, verse 4, right? Um. Verse 4, he says that my speech and my preaching, right, was yeah. with enticing words of man's wisdom, right, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Yeah, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So when he's saying demonstration of the spirit and of power, now it should be very clear that demonstration of the spirit does not mean signs and wonders and miracles, although we... <laughs> can you clarify because this means a lot of things now like is it yes. that the anointing and all of that kind of stuff yes yes and I, I mean this verse the, the ways i've heard this verse used before more light came is mainly with respect to maybe miracles happening signs and wonders right so and in the and people will, will quote this verse when they are trying to say that you know it's not just about talk, 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 talk all the time. There should be raw power, you know, healing should be happening, things should be going on and all that. So, but it's very clear that that is not mainly what Paul is talking about. And when we'll go further in this chapter, we'll see that's not really what Paul is saying. That the demonstration of the spirit and of power here is saying being able to preach and minister, not relying on one's own faculties of maybe one's own brightness or one's own you know vastness in knowing the bible or having a red, red theology which is man's wisdom right but the demonstration of the spirit is preaching which holy spirit is able to which is able to holy ghost is able to demonstrate what they want to demonstrate here because if the purpose of preaching is to know god remember from verse, from chapter one we're reading, he was speaking concerning how men should know him. So it's very clear that if the purpose of a preaching is to know God, and they're now saying that the preaching was in the demonstration of the spirit, it means that what the Holy Spirit will be demonstrating is what the subject of the preaching. So this demonstration of the spirit and power is how the Holy Spirit 
wants to bring about a demonstration. To demonstrate means to not demonstrating to your, the physical eyes because the physical eyes and the physical person brain is not the is not the end point of the knowledge of God that preaching is meant to bring, but rather it is the soul. So when someone is hearing a preaching, there is a way that the spirit of God can demonstrate the, the being, the person who the preaching wants to, to bring to the soul. So it means the soul in itself has an eyes. The soul itself has an eye by which it can see a demonstration even while the physical eye is not seen. What the physical eye might be seeing, like if you were looking at me now, all you'll be seeing is my face and my mouth moving, right? That's what you'll be seeing. If you are in a church, you'll be seeing the pastor behind the pulpit, maybe with his microphone and all that. That's what your physical eye is seeing. But seeing those things is not the point of the preaching. The point of the preaching is not to get the physical eye to see, but to get the inward eye, which is the eye of the soul, to see. And what he's saying here is that the ministry of the, of the New Testament and of his own preaching, which he was really saying is that, is to allow when preaching is going on for the eye of the soul to begin to see a demonstration of God and of Christ because of the inspired words of the Spirit. All right. So when you, when you say, what is a demonstration? The demonstration is just... There's just something about the Holy Ghost. He can, you know, how we spoke about bringing understanding, right? And you see that understanding is meant to produce a house, an edifice. The demonstration can be the Holy Spirit showing the soul, bringing a revelation of particular nature properties, which the person is supposed to inherit, right? There's a way, for example, let's say meekness, for example. Let's say a minister is ministering on the subject of meekness by the Spirit. And is a minister of the spirit. And is ministering meekness, just ministering and talking and talking. What will be happening is that when, as a minister is ministering about meekness, the inward, the soul of the, of the people listening to him can begin to experience the demonstration of meek attitude as a spiritual nature to be coveted. It's a demonstration. Uh, but and that kind of demonstration within the heart is something that the Holy Spirit quickens on the inside, right? While the preaching is going on, the Holy Ghost can bring about the demonstration of those properties of the of the, the, the of God, because the meekness which we are talking about is part of the knowledge of God. It's one thing, you know. Meekness is not something of man; it's a property of God. But there's a way the Holy Spirit can demonstrate that through preaching as the preacher is going through scriptures, connecting New Testament and then Old Testament, reading from the prophet, reading from the, the epistles, opening up, they, they can, the Holy Ghost can use those, those, those things to begin to demonstrate the attitude of meekness that will convict the heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> so that is, that, that is ultimately the demonstration. If a preacher goes to a place, does signs and wonders, you cannot buy, for example, healing the blind, making someone's leg grow out who was sick, raising the dead, doing all kinds of signs and wonders. You cannot use those things to demonstrate the nature of God to the soul. 
Rather, rather, such things are just spectacular. People get excited. Ah, they might believe God, they will fear God more. Ah, God, oh, God is big, oh, God is, you know, all of those things. But a lot of times, those things are not for the purpose of, of building the soul and bringing the soul to the knowledge of God. Those things just help maybe, those things, they actually help unbelievers more. Maybe people to just, who need to just have that initial leap to believe. That's why you see a lot of times on crusade ground, where evangelistic ministry is happening, a lot of those things happen. A lot of times, a lot of ministers who are sent with evangelistic, you know, gifts, right? The Ryan Bonkies, the Billy Graham. You see masses, mass scale healing, deliverances, because in such a ground, God has to demonstrate such things to make souls believe and get born again. But so that is it. Is the Holy Spirit still doing that? You want to call that demonstration of the Spirit? For English purpose, you can call it that, but in actuality, in the epistle, that is not the actual demonstration of the spirit. That when those souls have gotten born again, it's now time to bring God to them, to their soul, his nature, through the ministry of preaching. That is how invisible properties of God's life gets demonstrated by the inspiration of the spirit. And those things, you cannot, they can't be, it can't be faked. It can't be conjured. It can be, you know, it won't, you cannot build an actual nature of God in his soul by just enticing words of man's wisdom. Those that enticing words of man's wisdom without the demonstration of the spirit within the hearts of people will not produce conviction and will not make the soul make agreement and alignment with the nature of God because those will not be demonstrated. Praise God. Um, I don't know, I hope I, I answered your question. You see verse 5, it says, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we know already that Christ is the power of God, and Christ is the wisdom of God. Um, then from verse 6, let's just see, we have a few minutes more. Um, let's just read from verse 6. To verse ten, please. Verse six to verse ten. Okay. Yeah. How be it? How? Oh, okay, you can go. Okay. How be it to speak wisdom among them that that are perfect? Not yet, not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I had not seen, nor hear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Thank you. Yes, praise God. But he said he had revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yeah, the deep things of God. Amen. So, see, verse 6 is saying um, that how be it we speak wisdom among them. That word perfect there just means, means mature. Those who are those that are mature, that will speak wisdom among them. But yet, not the wisdom of this world. You see the same thing again of him differentiating the term wisdom. And we have defined wisdom, that wisdom is 
the initiating point, how we receive understanding. And that how be it, we know the wisdom, we speak wisdom among them, sorry, how be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, right? But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there are some key things we can pick concerning the, mystery, the, the wisdom of God here, right? No, the first thing is that the wisdom of God is actually in a mystery. A mystery means something that does not just appear easily. You can't just easily just see it, right? And that hidden wisdom, God actually, it's not just a mystery, but also God hid it as well and god has ordained that wisdom for us so paul is introducing us to that to this concept of um is an orientation that we ought to have concerning spiritual ministry or that anybody who is who is not able to fall into this orientation will um will remain at the surface of christianity and what's at the surface of Christianity is just things. When you check your whole life and your, your work with God, it's always about your things, things that matter to you. Because once the, the, that breakthrough of wisdom, once the shift of wisdom doesn't occur, it mean, I said wisdom is what brings the understanding, right? What brings material. That land which they are to build God's house in will never contain building materials. It might contain, I mean, farm implements, it might contain garbage, it could contain, I mean, if they can open these different souls and see what is inside, only God knows what heaven sees when they look at all of us. You know what I mean? So, but rather the land of, of our soul should be full of building materials, materials that can be used to build God's house. You know, but what they are saying is that unless the soul can have that shift of to subscribe to this hidden wisdom, which doesn't appear, naturally right but which is actually the way that god has designed for our glorification so i won't be able to come into these things verse 8 says which none of the princes of this world know okay okay yes, sister prayer has to go say which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it they would not have crucified the lord of glory right as is written i have not seen nor hear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Praise God. But these things, he has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So you are seeing them that this eye that has not seen is the natural eyes, not the natural ear, right? Neither has it entered into the heart, means these things don't occur naturally. Right, even the natural mind has its definition of even what God is, what God should be, what's, what a spiritual person should be. You see that manifest in different religions on the earth, which have their different approach to God and different concepts of God and different sort of, you know, summation of what righteousness and all these things mean. But God is saying that actually, all of those things are false because no matter how much meditation a man does by himself, 
that all these things which God has prepared for us, it can't actually enter the heart of any man, no matter the meditation. See, but verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Why? Because the spirit searches all things. Yeah, the deep things of God. Amen. I want us to stop there for today. Um, so um, if we can take away something from today, I, I think we are seeing two main, thing, main things play out here. Uh, the Lord really trying to speak about the futility of, of the wisdom of this world and the knowledge of this world and all of that. And then on the other hand, the Lord through Paul in more of chapter two is elevating the importance of the, the, the spirit approaching the knowledge of God spiritually, right, through the wisdom, uh, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I pray that I will keep this, take this to heart and the Lord will, will help us and give us grace to walk in the light of it. Um, before we close in prayer, any, any questions or anything? That, uh, okay. All right, no questions. Um, all right, let's, um, can we just pray? Let's just pray a bit. Uh, based on what we have heard, uh, you can just pray in the spirit, just maybe for one minute. So just, um, just to connect our heart spiritually with what has been said. Uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, for, to bring an entrance of the world um, into our heart and to, to allow, uh, for us to have a spiritual experience with this. As the Holy Spirit see fit, let us begin to just pray. Makari etase deli prafa fenehele maroto super enter. Okrema taza zikasu supra endoje prant to fear the brasco sibran to live a hand of that. Holy press casus of Korame Kerekeri Kadama or Tekreno cover hand illegally, Mazusa preveni eleva coffee and cup. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Father, we bless you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for everyone who has listened. Thank you for our hearts. Thank you for blessing us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will, by your spirit, take this word and let the Holy Spirit minister it to us afresh and in such a way that is personal and relatable and such a way that we can use it, Lord, and apply it. And Lord, I ask that your spirit will bring even further understanding and shed more light concerning these things. And above all, you will grant us the might, the ability within our heart, the willingness, Lord, to align with what has been shared and to obey them and pattern our life according to these things so that we will, we will have profit in them. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. We bless you. And I pray for everyone, Lord. Keep everybody today. May this week we are going into be a week that is governed by the Spirit. Maybe a week of yieldedness to the Spirit. Maybe a week, Lord, of victories in the Spirit. For every soul, Lord, I pray, oh God, the grace, the wisdom, the ability to approach the challenges of the week, Lord. Lord, by your own strength, you grant to every single one of us. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you guys for joining. Um, please just think upon these things. Um, to next, next, for ne next week, I would like to see if um, you have any questions based on your own meditation, you know, what I've shared. 
And uh, if you have, if you think upon it, I'm sure maybe some things will come so we can just discuss a bit more and have more interactive time next week, okay? In the pastor, how can we get this recording? Um, okay. So this recording now, uh, I will have to, I will figure out a way. <laughs> we will have to figure out a way to do it and then we'll send it. Yeah, distribute it because some of us that were not, could not make it so that they could. Yeah, but how do you so, guys do it before? We just upload it to um, live meetings, yeah. website, yes. Who does yeah, mix around. Records normally, and who uploads it? So and based Patrick, on all, it record, I think. yeah, then I will go and like get it and upload and send the link. But I don't know if we want to be doing that going forward. But yeah, we'll just when, when he yeah. records it, where do you, where does he put it? MixLR. So I go there, download it, just oh, the way I do with like okay. Saturday messages as well. Oh, yeah, I and I think yes. So and he brought he broadcasts the MixLR too and send yes. It on the yes. group group yes oh i see okay we will do that it's easier to go through mixer than this one so i know i will try and get this one out and send to you okay all right chief yeah thank you so much god bless you guys all right thank you well, one more thing i just want to mention um i want to encourage us uh, if 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 we can to i don't know i don't know if we are used to we already do it but to be tuning into to life meetings in Edmonton on Saturdays uh, to be blessed. And, I, and it is the reason why, because thank God for this platform here, but um, um, I don't want us to miss out on that corporate blessing, uh, which, which comes um, primarily at life meetings. So it would be good if we can have that, um, inculcate that discipline of uh, being able to reserve our Saturday mornings for to listen to what God is saying yeah, at Life Mission, as God gives you grace to do. Right. God bless you guys. So we'll talk again on... Is there like a link for... Because I know before there used to be like a YouTube and I used to join sometimes, but now I don't know how you... Yeah, there's a, there's always a... It's MixLR now. It's done on MixLR and it's posted on the chat, the okay. chat group. Right, top there, right? Every Saturday morning. Yeah, it was posted yesterday. I think yeah. Pastor Femi posted it yesterday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Always posted. Once the meeting starts, it just it usually sends. Just it. post it and we all just follow. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. God bless you. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. God bless you, sir. Thank you so Thank much. You. Cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.